You're listening to True Heart. Amy and Scott Mallon dive deep with celebrities, mavericks, visionaries, and real-life heroes to find out what sets their souls on fire. Get ready for some trockings. Here's Amy and Scott. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the True Heart Show. It's Amy and Scott Mallon. Uh, happy to have you with us. Uh, you can subscribe wherever podcasts are found. If you're loving the show, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. If you're so inclined, we'd definitely be super grateful about that. And you can also find us on YouTube for the full 360 experience uh, and subscribe there. Yes, and we would love to have you join our True Heart community. It would mean so much to have you searching with us to change the world. We're so proud to support six amazing organizations who work to save lives, feed the hungry, protect the planet, promote animal welfare, fight for equality, and support our youth. And all you have to do is take out your phone, your tablet, your computer, search as you always do, but we're donating 80% of our net profits to support these six incredible charities. We should mention that, um, it's just a normal search engine and you can just search like you normally would. You don't have to like go on and search for, you know, social impact stuff. You literally just use it like an actual search engine because that's what it is. Today's episode is the real one. And I'm so excited to welcome to the show someone who's been a good friend of mine for over two decades. New Jersey native Eric Nice catapulted into fame as one of the stars of MTV's Real World, the first reality show ever. He then went on to host one of the world's most watched dance programs, MTV's The Grind, viewed in over 90 million homes around the world. MTV's The Grind became so popular that Eric released The Grind Workout, a multi-platinum video series. For the following 10 years, Eric made numerous appearances on talk shows, MTV programs, including real world challenges, movies, as well as appeared in magazines and advertising campaigns. Eric's greatest passion has been to help people, children, and the planet. He spent the past two decades fearlessly embarking on dozens of adventures around the world, including participating in an all-night shamanic journeys deep in the Amazonian jungle, martial arts training under the iron fist of of a Vietnamese grandmaster, surfing and cliff jumping with local kids in Fijian paradise, chanting with 2,000 monks in the Himalayas, participating in Native American spirit ceremonies, shearing sheep in New Zealand, skydiving in Mexico, deep water diving in the Galapagos, fasting in the desert for 43 days, partying for a week in South Beach with no sleep, and diving into a frozen lake to save a puppy. In 2017, Eric started working with the Shipibo tribe from the Amazon in Peru and is currently on a master plant diet apprenticeship. Eric's desire for exploration and unmatched fearlessness have led him into many near-death experiences, and his unconquerable spirit and massive heart have shown that in any life experience, there is always the choice to respond with love instead of fear. For the last decade, Eric has worked as a life, health, nutrition, and wellness facilitator, a spiritual guide, and an addiction rehabilitation facilitator. Let's get into it with today's guest, Eric Neese. You are, um, E, I think our first guest is coming to us from one of the most magical places on earth, the Sacred Valley in Peru. So um, would you mind showing everyone just how incredible um, it is, if it's not going to mess up your camera angle? (laughs) (laughs) It it should, and I'll just be really gentle, but hold on a second. 
Uh, here we go. So you were saying you were in the Sacred Valley, is that right? Yeah, I'm in um, a town called Pisac. And uh, Pisac is about an hour from Cusco. And in between um, Cusco and Machu Picchu. So this is my backyard. Wow. So beautiful. Wow. Yeah, Incredible. and there, right here you can see the Buddha. Oh yeah, and then, and then that that structure right there is a temple. Um, it's a, a maloka space which fits about one hundred people for ayahuasca ceremonies and wachunis and sound baths and all kinds of uh, different healing that takes place here on the property. That's uh, the name of the place. The property that I'm on is called La Pacha. Um, it was founded by a man named Diego, who uh, is Peruvian, and he had been uh, serving ayahuasca and working with ayahuasca for about 20 years. And, um, and he passed about two years ago, and his ex-wife has uh, kept the place going. And so there's a small little community of people that live here that all serve ayahuasca, and they're all um, like angelic masters of music and i think combined they probably play a total of maybe 25 different instruments all the different people wow and so yeah so there's people from all over the world uh that come through here for healing for people who um don't know what is ayahuasca uh ayahuasca is a medicine uh, a tea um, it's a combination of, of uh, a vine and a plant, uh, leaves from a plant. And when you bring these two together and boil them down for a long period of time, it activates uh, the DMT, which is dimethyltryptamine, in the plants. And DMT exists everywhere in nature, and it's in all of our bodies. Uh, there's just different uh, types of plants uh, that have higher levels of DMT. And so ayahuasca in the plant kingdom, uh, we call her grandma because she's a feminine plant spirit and the queen of the plant kingdom. Uh, ayahuasca has been used for more than 5,000 years. There's relics that go back to the Inca, uh, about 5,000 years. And uh, had some type of an illness or whatever the issue was that you were dealing with, you would go to a shaman who would drink the ayahuasca and then their vision would open up and then they could see uh, what was happening inside of this person. And so it wasn't until about 30 or 40 years ago uh, that the people uh, started to drink ayahuasca. There's, there's an amazing, um, I could send it to you, maybe you can put it up on your on your site for your listeners, but there's an ayahuasca manifesto. And the spirit of ayahuasca came to a very well-known shaman in the jungles of Peru. And she communicated with him about who she is and why she's here and what her plan is for this moment and for the future for uh, humanity uh, to heal on 
on every level. That's um, really interesting, um, Eric. And we're going to touch some more um, about the incredible work that you're doing a little bit later on in the episode. We want to move into our trockings segment, which is our mashup word for true talkings, where we're just going to dive deep into some kind of philosophical issues and get your hot takes so people can get to know you better. So the first question is, Eric, if it was your last day on earth, what would you do? I would bless and say a prayer for humanity to find the courage and the strength to walk the good red road and their spiritual path to awaken their soul and liberate their soul from many lifetimes of suffering so that humanity can come together and ascend and to realize the manifestation of our star kingdom. Wow, I love that you're thinking about other people with your last day on earth and how you could just be of service and, and bring light to humanity. I think that's really beautiful because most people would look at that from the perspective of what can I do for me with the limited time that I have left? Hmm. Well, I've come to understand that whatever I do for myself is actually for everybody else. So we're all together. We're all one. We're all connected. This whole narrative of separation, division, and you know all that stuff is just not real. It's just an illusion. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't see any separation or division uh, between me or anything. You've had crazy experiences throughout your life. So this question is a really good one for you. What is the most fearless thing you've ever done? Oh, that's easy. Liberate my own soul. And the why do you that, think that's the case? Yeah, you got to go into more of that. Like, what is what is that all about? <laughs> um, well, about eight years ago, I went into what's called the dark night of the soul. And what the dark, what they, I, I like to call the light night of the soul now that I've gone through this experience, but people refer to as the dark night of the soul. And what that means is some, some people have experienced this where all of the suppressed emotions from the traumas in this life and your past lives all come to the surface at the same time. And you can feel like you're going crazy. You, you feel lost and confused, uh, disconnected from the world, from yourself. Uh, there's a lot of very heavy, heavy, heavy energy uh, that you feel in your body. I, I couldn't go out in public. I felt super uncomfortable socially. And, you know, what I would come to realize later on in my life is that, you know, I set this up this way um, for this lifetime to prepare for what's coming um, uh, in the future and also what's happening now. And so the last eight years for me, uh, working with ayahuasca, working with uh, the sacred uh, mushroom uh, and other plant medicines, uh, I've been going back into my past lives to release and relieve all of the 
that my soul carried with it from one lifetime to the next. Uh, you know, so I participated in more than 200 uh, plant medicine ceremonies, uh, practicing uh, Vipassana meditation. Uh, Buddha and Jesus knew uh, very well how to liberate the soul. Uh, they both left instructions behind. Uh, and one of those instructions uh, or techniques that you can use to liberate your soul is Vipassana meditation. You know, to be able to objectively observe the sensations in your body uh, without uh, judging them or clinging to them if they happen to be some type of blissful uh, sensation. You don't want to chase it uh, and you don't want to run from the gross sensations. You uh, Buddha coined this, this word called uh, equanimity. And so... Uh, to be able to sit in meditation equanimously, but then allow that to overflow into your, uh, you know, daily life, uh, you know, is, is really how to navigate uh, through this world of duality here on planet Earth. And so this has been the process that I've been going through for eight years. Um, I, I try not to share examples uh, because um, the last thing that you want to do when you walk into ceremony is to have expectation. Right. Uh, and so um, I can just say that, you know, this is, it's not an easy path. <laughs> that can be very challenging, you know, to walk this path. They, you know, they refer to humans that have walked this path as, you know, warriors of the light. Um, but you're stepping into the fire. Uh, you're you're stepping into the fire of your soul, into your stomach, into your heart, into your mind, and really being the gardener of your own mind, of your subconscious mind. And that's what these plant medicines do. They open up a bridge or a portal, not only to the spirit world, but to the subconscious mind. So you can understand how you have been imprinted um, with these programs that have come from your ancestors and they get passed from one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. So I chose at some point in my life, my existence, uh, to take on the responsibility of purifying and cleansing my entire ancestral lineage. It, it's amazing, Eric, because, you know, being friends with you for over two decades, I can definitely see in the last few years this change where the work that you've done has brought you a tremendous amount of peace and calm. And just even in the way that you carry yourself and also how you make a safe space for other people to be their authentic selves around you, you could see that you've put in a lot of time and heart into this work. And you actually set us up beautifully for our final question of this segment, 
which is what sets your soul on fire? What sets my soul on fire is the limitless potential of liberating my and then being the master creator of my life. And when you think about being the master creator of, of your life, what, what does that mean? And how can other people um, kind of harness that sort of power for themselves in their own lives? I mean, ultimately what it means to me is, is unconditional love and being in service to humanity and to all on the planet. And the best way that I can do that is to be in unconditional love and service to myself. And obviously we do this with humility and grace. This is not about ego and, you know, it's all about me and this like selfish behavior, you know, like, you know, getting what I need or getting what I want or desire. Uh, you you find out along this path that it truly is in giving that we receive. And to take the time and to be committed uh, to this work and to continue to go back into ceremony after ceremony, facing the fears and facing the judgments. I mean, you can come out of ceremonies. I've come out of many ceremonies saying I'm no way am I going back in not a chance and you wake up the next day and grandma sits with you and you start to integrate you start to look at all of the different feelings and emotions and um and thoughts that are coming from the experience and miraculously around five six o'clock <laughs> all that energy starts to come down. You start to feel more confident and courageous and you're like, okay, I'm going back in. I got more work to do. Um, but yeah, you know, this is like putting a magnifying glass on your life and on your feelings and your emotions and your behavior. And, you know, that started for me a, a long time ago with a, a cute little show they call The Real World. <laughs> and so here we are. I'm gonna call you the Segway King, E, because you set that up so nicely. <laughs> to our next question, which is to you know rewind 30 years ago, I can't believe it's been that long, but to take us back to you know that time when you were on the first reality show ever, The Real World, and in that loft in New York, what was the biggest lesson that you learned um, from being on a reality TV show? Oh, the biggest lesson that I learned. Hmm. Well, the, the thing that comes to mind is, I guess, setting up, you know, the segue is the magnifying glass. You know, to me, spirituality is just simply looking at yourself it's always um you know praying to something outside of you now the, the more you do this work you realize that everything is inside of you all the answers are inside of you uh you know your soul has had many 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 lifetimes uh but the real world um you know when i was sitting in my den 
with my family and watching myself on TV for the first time, I didn't really necessarily like what I saw. I didn't like the way I was reacting to certain things that were going on in the loft and uh, just my behavior. Uh, but also at that time, I didn't understand that I was carrying around all of these suppressed emotions from the traumas in my childhood. Yep. Um, so I guess the greatest lesson that I learned uh, from the real world and from reality TV was that you can use it as a tool to evolve spiritually. That's that's if you put your ego in check. And so that was the very first time where I got to experience the relationship between my spirit and my ego. That's so interesting. And, you know, coupled with that, obviously, you became super famous at a really young age. So how did that new celebrity status affect you? How did you deal with it? It almost killed me. Um, you know, because of my traumas and the suppressed emotions, I got into using drugs at, at a young age. Not many people uh, in the industry uh, or people, you know, that would follow me would know that uh, because on the outside, I was very healthy. I actually, you know, I took, when it came to eating food, I was taking care of myself. But on the weekends, I was going out and I was partying really hard. Um, and the entertainment industry just added fuel to that fire. You have money and fame. You're getting all of the attention that you need to fill all the voids um, within you uh, that are screaming for attention. Uh, I had access to, you know, everything in the material world um, from, you know, money, cars, clothes, free clothes, restaurants, clubs. I mean, you name it. I could go and do whatever it is that I wanted, uh, but that wasn't helping with the suppressed emotions from my traumas. It was just fueling the fire. And um, thank God this manager came into my life and basically molested me and robbed me of over $300,000 and destroyed my relationship with MTV because if he didn't come into my life and do that, uh, there'd be a really good chance that I wouldn't be here talking to you today. And so I, I realized in an ayahuasca ceremony in the jungles of Peru that what I thought was the worst thing that happened to me in my life was actually my greatest blessing. There's so much to unpack there because, you know, people think about the things that happened to them in their lives, the things they most regret or the things that their traumas, the things that they, you know, have come to define them, even though they don't necessarily know it or are aware of it. I think most people kind of move through life and I'm certainly guilty of this to some extent. You kind of just move through life like a Shakespeare said, like a cork bobbing in the ocean. You know, you just kind of go where the tide and the winds take you and you don't necessarily have the strength to do things, make decisions, say no, when to say no, when to say yes, when to, how to understand your own purpose, your own emotions, 
uh, and you just are like a almost robotic in how you react to things. Um, I have this little theory that I like, which is this idea of space and that, um, you know, stimuli comes in and you react and there's no space between the stimuli and your reaction. It just happens so fast. Someone says something, boom, this is your response. Someone does something, boom, this is your response. There's, it's robotic. People don't think that they're robots, but there's a very, you know, programmed response to things. You've seen your parents do it. You see your friends do it. You've just done it over a period of time. And so this idea of like, can you allow a little bit of space before you do or say anything, even, and just watch your own emotions. Can you even just like, you know, Jay Krishnamurti says like, you know, observe the observer and just have a moment before you say something or do something. And I've always thought that was like a, a beautiful thing, but just to get back to what you were saying, the idea that something that was so terrible, or the worst thing in your life or one of the worst things in your life that could ever happen. Now you look back on it and you think, man, that, thank God for that. That's an incredible perspective. And I think if you could talk about it a little more, because I think that would be so freeing for, for people, you know, everyone has baggage and everyone has bad, terrible things that have happened in their life. And maybe they don't realize that that did lead to something else that would have otherwise happened. Yeah. Well, I've, I've come to realize uh, none of it is me. All that stuff that you're talking about, the programs, the triggering, the traumas, and all of that, and the essence of the soul, all that is are attachments to experiences that you've had in your life. It, none of it belongs to you. Uh, and and those, those responses that you're talking about where people are just reacting, 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 um, it's because we're lacking emotional content. People are terrified. They are terrified to feel their emotions. And the larger majority of human beings walking on this planet are doing everything that they can to distract themselves from themselves. And the only way that you can liberate yourself and the only way that you can rid yourself from anxiety, depression, and all of these feelings that we have inside of us that cause us to feel uncomfortable, the only way to liberate yourself from that is by observing them. But the key is, how are you observing them and how are you reacting from the observation? Because you can still fall into the same cyclical behavior patterns. These programs that are imprinted onto us from our lineages, from our parents and our grandparents, and from the people that are around us are very complex and they're very sticky and they, be, they can become very tricky. So um, in, in my experience and my understanding, this is the only way to liberate yourself from suffering. You have plant medicines that can assist you because they have this um, consciousness that kind of supersedes us in a way 
because they're not dealing with emotion. We're dealing with emotion. So in the plant kingdom, which has been around for millions of years, they it's like ayahuasca, grandmother ayahuasca and the mushrooms, they know us better than we know ourselves. And here's the reason why. All of us are made up of the same thing. Air, fire, water, and earth. We need these four elements to physically exist here on this planet. But then there's the mind. The four chambers of the mind. The subconscious mind is the one that we want to focus on because the subconscious mind is holding all of the information from all of the experiences that you've had in this lifetime. And so those plant medicines will assist you in bridging into the subconscious mind to understand what it is that you're still carrying that you have not processed that's causing these uncomfortable feelings in your body. Mm. The other way to approach this is through meditation. And this is what Buddha realized. That's why Buddha's name has lasted for the last 2000 years. Same with Jesus, same with Kuan Yin uh, in, in the Eastern philosophies. These ascended masters whose names have lasted throughout the ages actually left us instructions on how to liberate the soul other than those two things you would need to be working with somebody who would call themselves a therapist or whatever it is and that individual would basically sit with you hear your story and then take you into those traumas so you can feel them again you have to go in and you have to feel them to release them. That's what happens in ayahuasca ceremonies. Which, ayahuasca by the way, is probably people's worst fear. You know, as you said, they're distracting mm -hmm. themselves, burying the memories. How how do you how do you get up the how do you how would you advise people to get up the courage to go back? I mean, it's to go back and actually re-experience or re feel all those feelings you may have spent years or decades burying yeah so you you have to show by example your inner child that he or she is safe to express their feelings because the inner child is basically the gatekeeper to your soul. But the inner child needs to feel safe to express itself because what happens with us human beings, we have these uncomfortable feelings in our body and then we go and I, we hurt ourselves and then we hurt other people. And the inner child does not like that. The inner child doesn't feel safe. So you have to have a conversation you have to have dialogue with your inner child. It's always there. It knows everything that you've experienced in this life. There is a record, which is called the Akash, the Akashic records of the soul. The inner child is basically the gatekeeper to those records. So you have to 
connect with your inner child, with your innocence, and essentially the light and the love within yourself. Pray, have conversation, and then it will naturally just start to happen because we are limitless beings of potential creation. We all have the ability and the potential to create life, create children. So when you come into the world, you come in surrendered, trusting that the, the man and the woman that created you is gonna clothe you, put a roof over your head, take care of you, and treat you with unconditional love. So we already understand how to surrender. We already understand what it means to unconditionally trust and love because that is, in essence, who we are. Um, but then we come into the world and we experience manipulative, controlling system that's in place here, which is maybe for another conversation. Uh, but then we start to get imprinted with all these behavior patterns and we start to have uh, traumas and all of the abuse and all these different things that we experience in, in our life. Um, but it all comes back to objective observation of the sensations in your body, because this physical body, air, fire, water, and earth holds frequency, holds vibration. It holds energy and our minds suppress it. So when the mind gets out of the way and you are equanimously observing the sensations in your body, by the laws of nature, these energies must naturally release and leave your body. But it all starts with your own personal prayer and relationship with yourself. That's the only way to do it. True Heart is brought to you by Tushy. Are you still wiping your butt with all that toilet paper you hoarded last year? How's that going for you? Let me introduce you to a new way to clean after you handle your business. Meet Hello Tushy. Tushy is the modern bidet that easily clips to any toilet and installs in just 10 minutes. Starting at just $99, Tushy sprays a precise stream of clean water and washes away all of that literal crap that toilet paper leaves behind. Upgrade your bathroom experience by going to hellotushy, T-U-S-H-Y dot com. That's hellotushy dot com. Tushy saves the environment and reduces your carbon butt print. Tushy saves you money on toilet paper and Tushy saves your butt. Go to hellotushy, that's T-U-S-H-Y dot com. Stop wiping, start washing with Tushy. True Heart is brought to you by This Saves Lives. This Saves Lives is a ridiculously delicious food brand that gives back. Every single purchase sends life-saving food to a child in need. Co-founders Kristen Bell, Ryan Devlin, Todd Grinnell, and Ravi Patel launched This Saves Lives with a simple motto, buy a bar, feed a child, we eat together. Now with more than just bars, their products contain premium ingredients and are non-GMO, gluten-free, and kosher dairy. Their unique line of kids' products all contain one full serving of fruits and vegetables and are safe for school. To buy their ridiculously delicious snacks, head on over to thissaveslives.com. True Heart is brought to you by Half United. 
For over a decade, lifestyle brand Half United has been using fashion to feed people all over the world. To break the cycle of generational poverty, the community provides gainful employment to local artisans in vulnerable communities who create their handmade and sustainable products. For every Half United product purchase, seven meals are given to a child in need. Half United has donated over 1 million meals to date. Shop their beautiful jewelry, tees, handbags, and home accessories at halfunited.com and help fight global hunger. True Heart is brought to you by Brothers Meatballs. Say ciao to tradition and hello to your new favorite plant-based Italian bistro in Los Angeles, Brothers Meatballs. Brothers Meatballs was founded by brothers and food industry veterans Mauro and Sergio Corbia, who hail from the Isle of Sardinia, Italy. When they joined forces with second-generation Italian chef Mark Middleman, their self-proclaimed brother from another mother, the concept for Brothers Meatballs was born. Mauro was the founder and creator of Mauro's Cafe inside Fred Siegel, a long-standing LA hotspot. Dissatisfied with the amount of plant-based dining options, reminiscent of the home-cooked meals their mother once made, the brothers were determined to create a menu so delicious it would appeal to herbivores and omnivores alike. Inspired by the food mama so lovingly prepared for Sunday suppers, these meatballs are a modern take on a family classic. All menu items are 100% plant-based and made with mama's secret ingredient, love. Angelinos can order lunch and dinner Wednesday through Sunday at brothersmeatballs.com. All right, so we got to talk about Brothers Meatballs for a second because we've been there so many times now. It's legit one of our top three favorite places in LA. We will drive an hour to go pick it up and bring it back. It's that good. Yeah, we are dedicated. We got to support our plant-based businesses, and this one is so good. And we've served it up to our friends who are not plant-based without telling them, and they cannot even tell the difference. Yeah. I mean, we try to duplicate this at home, and you know, Scott and I fancy ourselves pretty good chefs, but... We cannot make. This I don't know happen. what they're seasoning it with the meatballs, but they're like they're incredible. And uh, you know they have truffle pasta, they have eggplant parm, meatball subs, bolognese with. I mean, it just goes on and on. Garlic bread. So it's like this really rich food, but that's healthy because it's plant based. And uh, you got to try it if you're in LA. If you're ever coming through LA, go visit them. They're great, uh, great people, and the food's amazing. So give them a shot. I totally uh, can relate to what you're saying about the conversation with the inner child, because years ago I did um, cranial sacral uh, therapy and in one of my sessions, and I did not tell the therapist any details of my past trauma or why I was there. But in one of my sessions, when I was basically like out, I wasn't really like conscious, um, I was talking aloud um, and the conversation was basically me floating above my body, talking to my younger self, telling myself that it was okay, that this incident of being assaulted by multiple men and women at the same time was not my fault. And I did everything I could to try to protect myself but I have to stop blaming myself. And it was me showing my younger self this compassion and love and allowing me to release this guilt and shame that I had surrounding that trauma for so many years. 
And when the session was over and I, I woke up, I was in a full sweat. I was crying and I had trouble like breathing right when I kind of like came back and there's no other way that, you know, the therapist would have known these intimate details. And he was like, you know, fiercely writing everything down. And when he told me everything that I was sharing and I just took a moment to take it all in, I was able to experience this powerful release and recognize that I was in this place now where I was safe and that past trauma couldn't hurt me anymore. And I, I forgave myself and released myself from all these years of feeling shame and guilt over something that was not my fault. And it was so powerful, as you said, E, to have that conversation where my inner child was taking care of the adult me and was literally, the therapist said, I, I was saying, Amy, it's okay. You're safe. No one can hurt you anymore. Yeah. I think oh, there's that's so beautiful. Thank you. I think there's, you know, so interesting. And I think that like, you know, Amy has used hot yoga as a practice for release. And as you were talking about, you just like, almost like when you do a cleanse for like a fast, right? And you do a cleanse to detoxify your liver and your kidneys, and you just give your body a break and just get rid of old stuff out of your colon. And, you know, that's kind of a standard practice a health, you know, a really good health uh, practice that you can do once a year, couple, every season, whatever it is. What this sounds like, it's, it's almost like a spiritual cleanse. You have to cleanse these traumas and blockages in your body because energy flows through you. The universe wants to flow this energy through you. And when it hits these blockages, it gets stunted, right? And mm -hmm. that can create all these problems. So I'd be super interested to know, like, what you know, assuming people don't have access to ayahuasca and, you know, can't go down to Peru, um, which by the way, I definitely want to do now. <laughs> I think this is you know, super interesting, but, you know, just in terms of the meditation, what people can do at home, you know, as we were talking about, you know, observing the observed and uh, just becoming aware of the body sensations, what's something that people could start doing like today you know, as a daily practice, how long should they do it? What should they be doing? I mean, you, you obviously, you know, incredibly well knowledge about this. And I just think it'd be super interesting to hear someone who's gone through this. And is, as you said, obliterated your own soul, like how do people with, you know, a mom, three kids, or, you know, just living in the Valley, like whatever it is, like wherever you are, how do you start? Because it seems like I got to climb Mount Everest um, and I'm down at the bottom. What do I do? Like, where do I start? Yeah, well, I mean, simply put, it, cause it comes back to observation. You, everybody can do this. It doesn't cost you anything to do this. Um, it really comes back to what Buddha, Buddha realized and that meditation practice we don't even have to call it meditation because you know immediately people are gonna there's gonna be some people that are gonna go oh i love meditating i do meditation all the time then you're gonna have somebody else that's like oh i can't meditate i can't sit you know for one second quietly um but there's a reason why you can't sit quietly so if you're not questioning well why can't i sit quietly 
What's the reason why I have this anxiety, this depression? It's the conversation with yourself. I can't make it any more simpler than that. You, you need to start having a conversation with yourself and asking why. And even before that, do you even care? Do you even care to understand why you don't feel good? So that conversation with yourself is really important. You know, you can get a journal. And as you're having a conversation with yourself, you want to start writing down what starts popping. I call, the, I call them thought visions. As soon as you start having a conversation with yourself and start asking why, the memories are going to start to pop. And you'll find yourself, you know, thinking about Jim from the sixth grade because Jim in the sixth grade made fun of you because your hair looked a certain way. And that was a traumatic emotional experience for you. And you're still carrying the energies and the frequencies from that experience in your body. You know, going back to the cleansing and fasting, the reason why fasting exists is to do exactly this. That's what Buddha and Jesus did. They fasted for 40 days. The reason why they fasted for 40 days is so they could tune into the suppressed emotions from the traumas in their life so they would release and they would feel better. So as simply as I can say it, start a conversation with yourself, meditate with yourself, look inside, Ask why you feel this way. Why do I have this issue? Why do I have this illness? Why do I keep attracting the same people into my life that are abusing me and hurting me and the same type of relationship? What I realized was that everything that happened to me in this life, my mom, my dad, my sisters, my nieces, nephews, all of my friends, all the experiences that I had in this life, I attracted to me unconsciously to remind me of what I was carrying around with me from my past lives. And the only way that I was able to, to come to this understanding was by having a conversation with myself. And asking those questions, wanting to understand why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. Because this is all about emotion. That's why we came here to planet Earth, was to have an emotional experience. That's why great masters of our time, like Bruce Lee, talk about emotional content. Every great guru, uh, wisdom keeper, sage, all of them will come back to emotional content because that's why we're here. And the reason why we're here is because we have the potential of this planet transcending from a planet of duality where fear and love exist to only a planet of love. And there are uh, a lot of ancient souls that are here assisting the rest of humanity to go through this process at this time.
what you're saying really uh, resonates with me, Eric. And actually, when I was putting our daughter to sleep the other night, um, I was thinking about something really powerful, and I didn't even get a chance to share it with Scott yet, but it relates to what you were just talking about with love versus fear. And I was thinking, there's so many things in my life that I've always been afraid of. But if you told me that I had to conquer those fears in order to literally get to my children, I would do whatever it took, you know, whether swimming across an ocean, which deep water and sharks are two of my big fears. And, you know, I drowned twice as a child and was revived. So I have a lot of issues surrounding that. But if you told me I had to swim that ocean to get to our children, I would find a way to do it. You know, I'm terrified of heights, but if you told me I had to scale the tallest building in the world to get to my children, I would do it. And so I started to think about it from this other perspective. Wow, if I just replace these fears that I have with the love that is so much greater than what I'm afraid of, the potential is limitless. And I think we get trapped by thinking about these things that we're afraid of, which 99% of them, thankfully, will never happen to us, but they they limit us from reaching our full potential of who we're meant to be and what we can accomplish in our lives. And being afraid sucks. I spent the majority of my life like literally looking over my shoulder in fear of the people who physically and emotionally hurt me. But when you let that go and when you live in a place of love, you are free. And you can share what you feel in your heart with everyone. And and I and I literally say everyone because I've been trying to impart this on our children. Like strangers to me are the best people to share the love with because it's easy to give it to the people that we already know and there's trust. But when you share the love with people that you don't know, you instantly connect. And you form that bond, which to me is the reason why we're all here, to experience that connection. And the most powerful force in the universe, which I've always believed since I was a child, is love. Yes, absolutely, 100%, without (laughs) a doubt. (laughs) I give my heart and soul to that statement. (laughs) Yeah, of course, I mean, the, the. the, the crazy thing, Amy, is, you know, uh, you know about my grandmaster. Yeah. Um, just briefly, I'd lived for six years, seven years with an eighth generation grandmaster of the Far East. And he was extraordinary. 21 Den Black Belt, three different martial arts, grandmaster of the I Ching and Chinese medicine. And it, the list goes on and on. And one of the last things that he said to me before he passed was, you'll understand in your future that everything is an illusion. And that illusion is created in our minds. The fear that you talk about and that I talk about and that we all talk about is a story that we have created with our minds that is not real. And that's not an easy one to swallow because the the only way that you can come to that realization is by what you're speaking of is facing your fears is you have to go into those fears and go into those judgments 
and understand where they came from, who passed them down. None of it's yours. These are, these are all energies and experiences that were passed down from generation to generation. You know, this is basically a game. This life here on planet Earth, it's like an experiment and it's a game. It's a planet of free will and choice. And what are you going to choose? You're going to go down the road of the illusion of fear or are you going to go down the road of eternal love and light? Where do you want to play? How long do you want to play in those energies? And I see this all the time because for the last 15 years, I've been assisting people, um, you know, mostly drug addicts to rehabilitate from drugs. I'll bring them to the medicine. I'll help them to see everything that they need to see. They'll realize these incredible gifts that they have. They can communicate with the spirit realms. You know, they can heal, help uh, assist people to heal. And then they go back into the darkness. And it's not that it's right or wrong. It's just that that, that soul wants to have more of an experience in the darkness so that they can understand more of their light you know going into the shadow doing the shadow work so yeah well that leads us to our last question eric you know as you said you've spent many years um helping people overcome addictions and trauma and you've definitely walked through the fire to get to a place where you could be a guide um, to others on their journey of healing. So when people work with you and the beauty way, what does that entail? And what can they really expect from that process? Uh, the beauty way is a, a very intensive detox of the physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual bodies where I take individuals into the desert for three to four weeks um, and detox their physical body using superfoods, um, salt flushes, liver gallbladder flushes, kidney flushes. Um, and during that time, they will experience breath work, uh, grounding, meditation, um, mineral baths to help to detoxify the body. And also the individual shares their story with me as much as they can remember in detail um, so that I have a, a deep understanding of, of where they're coming from and what they experienced and, and what it is that's, that they're carrying around with them uh, that is you know, the cause of the addiction and, and the suffering. And third and fourth week, uh, they're facilitated through the Native uh, Native American Medicine Wheel, uh, which is a process that lasts about four to seven days. And they are ancient teachings of the, the natives of North America. Uh, and it helps you to reconnect with the earth and the four elements that you are made up of. So if you really want to get to know your physical body, 
Uh, going out into nature is a great idea because this is what you're made up of. So you can learn a lot about yourself and how energies move in and out of you uh, by being observant and very still in nature and listening. Uh, so there's a lot of listening that goes on on my part, listening to their story um, and understanding where they're coming from, but then uh, inspiring them, clearing out all of the heavy energies so that they can go out into nature and listen to nature because nature will answer all of the questions uh, that you have if you listen. Uh, so in a nutshell, that's the, um, somewhat of the experience that, that they would go through. And I've seen firsthand the incredible transformation you've helped make possible for your niece, who I'm totally in awe of, and the work that you did to help her overcome her trauma. So I think when people put in the work with you, they can achieve these amazing results. And I think it's also really meant to be that this whole time we've been talking with you, there's been this beautiful like light on you because just to me, you're someone that like radiates the light, you know, from your soul. And so you've been like radiating all this sunlight that's bouncing off of you. But it, it just, to me, is a reminder that that's who you are, who your essence is. And I just have so much, you know, love and respect for you. And I'm so proud e, of the work that you're doing to help so many people and the journey that you've taken from when the world like got to know you as a young kid in this, you know, loft in the city on TV to now where you are to be in a place to truly know yourself and to share the wisdom of your journey of healing so that you could help humanity. I just think it's Come full circle in the most beautiful way. Uh, thank you, my dear sister and my dear <laughs> brother. Sending both of you so much love and light to you and your beautiful family and many blessings on your podcast journey. I'm sure it's going to be incredible. You're going to attract everything <laughs> that you need to be successful in this world. And I just feel really blessed and honored to, to be on your show and to support your show. And I look forward to seeing you along this journey of ascension. Hey guys, quick reminder, uh, don't forget to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star review. We would definitely appreciate it. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube if you want that 360 viewable visual experience. Uh, you can subscribe there as well. And uh, that's it. I want to give a very special thank you to my longtime friend, today's guest, Eric Neese. Thank it you, was Eric. wonderful to virtually see you. And what a badass. Yeah. And just have you share your inspiring story. Don't forget to search with us so you get the same awesome results you always have. But you're going to be helping the world, uh, yes. changing the world. Yes. You got six amazing nonprofits. You'll be supporting Smile Train and Action Against Hunger and Global Green and Four Paws for Ability and P Flag National and Variety Boys and Girls Club. So these are six deserving charities. And it doesn't that, cost you a dime. Yeah, they're saving the world. So, so it's free and easy. So join us at trueheart.com if you can. And uh, thanks for joining us. See you next time. Yes. See you next week.